Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 144, week 144, volume 144, number fucking 144. How you going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Andrew of Cruel Hand and also of Fuming Mouth and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's start off with feedback, questions, what's been going on. First thing, episode 144 that you are listening to will be the last show of 2020. Don't stress, we will be back in 2021, but I'm just going to take the next couple of weeks to relax, recover, and do some things with the wife. So this show is a nice way to wrap up the year. So I thought at the start of the show, we'll talk about you guys that are listening and our amazing guests we've had this year. First thing, it's crazy seeing you guys tag us in your top five Spotify listening charts. Amazing to see that people dig this show so much on such a regular basis. It's a humbling experience, and it's an honor to be ranked in people's top five listening charts of podcasts with big fucking names, massive name shows. So thank you to everyone listening, and thank you to everyone that listens to this show on the regular. The other thing, I went in and did the Spotify statistics for the podcast. Listener base grew over 100%. Wow. Amazing. Over 100% gain in listening base. That's incredible. Massive thank you to everyone that either recently discovered us or has been with us for the whole run. We had a big, now when I mean big, I mean fucking big boom in the Swiss market, Germany market, and the UK market. Hi guys, love you all, thank you all for getting into the fucking show. But anyone else that's outside those regions, love you all as well, but that goes without saying. Been a wild fucking year, 45 shows with 45 different guests, some guests I didn't even think I'd ever get on the show. I got on the show. Every guest entertaining and amazing in their own right. So if you're listening and you haven't heard one of those shows, take some time, go back, delve in. It's been a big year, as I said. It's been a fun year. On a personal level, at times it was a hard and difficult year, but I had such a great time. I loved every minute. I've pushed through, and to be honest, My passion for this is as strong, if not stronger, than it's ever been. Next year will be the start of our third year. That's crazy. I never thought we'd start our third year of this show. So big things ahead. I'm going to keep pushing this show as far as I can. And you guys listening are an essential part of that. So thank you, everyone. I think I've said thank you about eight times here, but thank you, everyone that gets into this show Stick with us. It's only going to be a two or three week break. Like I said, start of January, back in your ear holes, back doing the show. So stick with us. I love you all. I really do. It's a lot of love, a lot of respect, and a lot of appreciation from this guy on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, in his spare room, who just loves doing podcasts, loves heavy music, and loves getting this show out to you. So thank you again. What's that? 88 times now saying thank you, but I mean it, guys. So enough of that, enough of my ramblings. Let's get into the main part of the show. 
This week, I got to sit down with Andrew of Cruel Hand and Fuming Mouth. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So Andrew joined Cruel Hand around 2015-2016, one LP and one EP he has contributed to so far. Cruel Hand, for those unaware, it's fucking hardcore, baby, and it's fucking great hardcore. Fuming Mouth, he joined around 2018-ish, one album and one EP he has contributed to as well. For those unsure style-wise... It's a metallic, hardcore-tinged death metal band. Outstanding stuff, refreshing stuff, and definitely worth a listen if you haven't already. Andrew, someone I've been trying to get on the show for a while. Scheduling didn't quite work out. Little mishaps here and there, but I got him on the show, and I'm excited for you guys to hear this. In-depth, fun, relaxed, everything you want, and more. That chat with Andrew... Is coming up now. So everyone gets the same question, and it's usually about where do you think your first discovery of music came about? And I don't mean a heavy band, but was there a band that you heard in the car or in the house that opened your world to music existing and you became obsessed with as a kid? I can actually specifically remember it because... uh I think, I don't know what year it was. It was probably it was sometime in the mid nineties. Um, and we had this like old clunky desktop computer upstairs in the house that I initially grew up in. And we had like an uh, encyclopedia Britannica on it. Mm. And I would just kind of like go through the software and just like read about like random stuff. Just kind of, I don't even, it's very foggy memory, but I remember specifically there was an Elvis Costello song. It was like a 20 second clip of that song. It's like a pretty famous song. It's like the riff that goes like, bow, 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 nah, nah. Oh, yes. And I was <laughs> obsessed with it, like playing it over and over and over again. And that's the first, like the first time I can really remember being like, whoa, like music's cool. Like <laughs> how, how old were you? And what's that? How old were you? And why that thing? Like, what about that? Do you think drew you in? Was it just the, the rhythm, the catchiness, the tone. What about made you so yeah. obsessed with it? It must have been must have been the tone and like the guitars and the beat. I think I was probably like old enough to use a computer, but uh must have been like maybe five or six. Five, six, seven, I guess. Mm. But uh yeah, I don't I don't know. And th- there was also a um a clip of a Soundgarden song, which I have not been able to figure out which one it was, but it was these two clips I would just listen to over and over. Now, from there, where does your musical discovery go? Do you start, you know, listening to more music through the radio, through the TV, through the internet, as you were saying that one was on, or were you kind of just gauging music based off what people were playing to you or around you? A lot of it, I guess, was my mom. My mom's always been, like, into music she was into like punk in the early 80s like late 70s and rock and all kinds of stuff like so she was always like musically conscious she'd play like the rock stations in the car and stuff so i guess that i I got exposed to a lot of stuff through that and also through her cd collection Mm. 
so yeah, there was like a, I would go into her CD collection and there was like a Green Day CD that I ended up nabbing from her. I think it was Nimrod hmm. and then um, Goo by Sonic Youth. They're pretty, uh, I mean, they're eclectic tastes and definitely, you know, saying your mum's got a bit of taste in music. Not to say most mums don't, but, you know, my mum was only listening to the Beatles and Pink Floyd. I mean, that was pretty much all mm-hmm. I had. Um, yeah. So when do you start thinking, actually, it's not just music I enjoy, I want to play this music? I guess, uh, so at some point, I think one year for Christmas, she would, she had decided, she's like, oh, I'm going to have the kids like get some instruments. So she's like, do you want to play an instrument? I'm like, yeah, well, I'll play an instrument. So I think I probably asked to play drums at first, but she was like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'll play guitar. <laughs> so she ended up getting me a little acoustic guitar that year. So I was probably like nine, I think nine or 10 years old. Mm. And uh, basically I just, I think, uh, at that point, I was listening to kind of CDs that I got from her and like maybe like pop punk bands with like kids, like my friends from school, I guess at that age, probably like Blink-182. So I just wanted to play songs like that. So I wasn't too thrilled on getting the acoustic guitar initially, but <laughs> there's one of these things where it's like, we'll get you this. And then if you if you stick with it, we'll get you the electric guitar you want. But <laughs> and it's that sense of disappointment of like I I really want that and then you go oh, okay yeah and it was it was still exciting but it was like I I wanted the Stratocaster you know like I was like ah oh, maybe she'll maybe she'll get it maybe nope <laughs> had to get the lessons had to do all that had to show I was gonna stick with it but I also don't blame her on not giving you a drum set like that's for a lot of parents that's just the most obnoxious nonstop noise they could possibly allow <laughs> their kid to give them. Oh yeah, that was that was my buddy Chris next door. He his parents got him the drum set and so we would go over there when we were young and like bang out riffs and stuff, but what my were parents you, knew better. <laughs> what were you like uh learning wise? Was were you taking lessons? Were you just sitting in your room playing and mix m- mucking around yourself? I mean, you know, if you look at the music you play now, it seems like you must have taken quite a progression with your learning capabilities. And obviously you have a natural knack in playing the guitar. It's definitely been a long road. At that point, it was like just kind of banging out power chords. I did take lessons, but all I really wanted at that point, being like a a young kid, was I just wanted to learn songs that I liked. And uh, so I, I actually disregarded a lot of the stuff I could have learned in the lessons, which is a a regret of mine but it is what it is because i ended up kind of i think a lot of the stuff that i learned ended up learning on guitar and the techniques was just by learning songs by bands that i liked and figuring out tricks that they did in their own writing what about with um you know it's quite a switch from green day to you know the hard hardcore is very similar to the punk rock. You know, but you know you look at yeah, yeah. you look at the death metal stylings of the other band you're in. So I mean, where are you going with your musical taste? It, it's was it a dramatic shift or was it a gradual shift into the heavier side of the game? I think it really was like I got into like the somehow got into like the skate punk like epitaph mm-hmm. like uh, fat wreck kind of bands. I guess through video games, really. Yeah, that's a 
Tony Hawk Pro Skater was definitely introduced me to a lot of the heavier side of of uh, like punk, I guess. At that point, when I was like a young younger kid, like younger teenager, and then uh, kind of just getting into metal at that point, but like like the mainstream metal that you would like know you would know like like you'd know Metallica or like mm. Slayer or something. Like it wasn't anything, you know, the stuff you get into when you're like 14, 15. And why do you think you switched and got into heavy, you know, alternative for a better word, music? Because not everyone on this planet likes the aggressive, heavy, guitar-driven, screaming music. You know, it, it takes someone wanting to get into this. And, you know, being honest also... I remember growing up, I didn't like someone screaming in the music at first. It took me a while to develop my want for that. So do you think there was a reason why you gravitated to that kind of music? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I guess it was just kind of like a constant, like ramp, maybe just a constant ramping up of the aggressiveness where I was like, at one point I was into like the more like commercial punk stuff and like Nirvana and then through Nirvana and that kind of stuff, like he would name drop Black Flag and I got into like hardcore punk. And then it was like hardcore punk and power violence and then like thrash metal and death metal. Ultimately, just kind of like <clears throat> a, like a ramping up of the intensity, I guess, as time went on. And what was your household like with that music playing? I mean, if your mum's into Green Day, she <laughs> must be OK with it. Or was she a bit like, what's going on here, Andrew? Uh, she was always really open-minded about it, and but she would always she never liked the screaming vocals. She never liked the yelling. It was always like, you know, if if you got your singer to to sing more, <laughs> <laughs> I always I always got the classic one. Um, are they able to talk at the end of this song? Like, are they breaking <laughs> their voice? That was the one I always got. That's yep. <laughs> now at this stage, you're obviously in high school. So where are you? with your high school learning are you just solely focused on music being the only thing you care about or are you looking at prospects with a career because a lot of people at school they're told have your life mapped out know what you want to do have a career path so what are you like at high school and coming to the end of high school uh, i was pretty much just in my own little world really with just music and skateboarding i was obsessed <laughs> with skateboarding obsessed with music that's when I probably halfway through high school, like sophomore year, junior year, got like involved into the, the actual hardcore scene. And I just just that was all I thought about. And I did have jobs, but never like I did photography a little bit like uh, as like commercial photography. But always like the big thing was like music and just skateboarding. And you mentioned the local scene. So um, early bands, is that part of what got you into the scene or was it literally just attending shows? Um, it was playing in bands and going to shows and just, just even just discovering that, uh, cause I remember finding out that hardcore was even a thing still. Cause I would, I got into hardcore through eighties, like old, like hardcore punk. And I watched the documentary and I read the book and they're like, hardcore died in 1985. And I was like, oh <laughs> damn, like that sucks. Like I like this stuff. I wish there were still hardcore bands. <laughs> And but, then you get like, out there and you're yeah, like, oh, it actually, I guess really, yeah. uh, the early onset of the internet age when like now it's like you would know. But at the time it was like, there was, I've started finding MySpace pages of bands. And I'm like, whoa, this band, this is a hardcore band. They're like, 
they're they're from now. <laughs> <laughs> what about well, Doc said it was dead. <laughs> what about um live shows and you're getting out to them? You're obviously noticing the hardcore isn't dead, but um, yeah, yeah. are you noticing? kind of the sense of community and the sense of belonging that kind of makes you feel even more justified in liking this music? Yeah, because it was, it was so different than, uh, I guess, the the landscape of what I was used to, where it was like, there were maybe like, because I guess in high school, like early high school, middle school, like I guess I did my first band in middle school and it's like it's like you you and your friends and then like maybe another couple kids from your school and it's like this very small thing and there might be another band and then you just you get you get into this scene and it's like oh like these kids from this other town this other high school they have a band and like all their friends and go play the Knights of Columbus you know <laughs> it, it is was funny it, it was a big deal because it's like oh shit like connecting all the dots and <laughs> it is and it also shows I mean it shows you that you're not the only one that, you know, is in his room listening to this music. There is other people that like this music and you can start networking and, you know, obviously for you getting into bands and playing with bands, were you seeing in your local scene bands that you were looking at and aspiring to? And it was a pretty, uh, I guess at that point it was a pretty healthy scene too. It's like looking back, I'm like, damn, like there's a lot of kids, you know, and it's, it's funny. I haven't been to a show at that spot in in many years but i guess they still they still have shows over at that night to columbus in kingston and just you know young kids whatever they're doing now with like their bands but uh it was pop punk for a long time so i don't really follow that so much anymore but but it keeps going you know um but yeah there were definitely there was it was a pretty healthy scene there's a lot of bands there was one band that i ended up joining a new band with members of there's a band called despite it all that was like uh melodic hardcore and they were kind of like uh they were the big band from that area that i remember but uh yeah it seems like a lifetime ago <laughs> trying to string <laughs> memories together uh, that's what i'm doing i'm trying to deep dive into that you know the cobwebs of it's the brain it's good stuff <laughs> um now let's talk about early bands. You know, you're getting in, doing doing your thing. Obviously, learning the ropes, and part of learning the ropes is you got to learn being in a band from the, an early age that it's not as simple as everyone gets along. You know, it's four, five different personalities. Everyone has different goals and aspirations. Did you find adjusting to being in a band? in the early stages with your early bands easy to do or is it something that took quite a few goes at to get right it was easy for me i think i was just really psyched to be doing it and uh also fortunate in that uh i think most or possibly all if my memory doesn't fail me like all the people i really got into playing music with are really really good people and level-headed and not like no crazy like head cases where I'm like, geez, being in a band is stressful. Like this is like dealing with these people is gnarly. Like it was always pretty, uh, like a fun thing, you know? Now, what about early band style wise and path wise? How many early bands did you have before you kind of got into cruel hand? I mean, was there quite a few because 
did doing my homework, which I do diligently. Well, everyone mm-hmm. noticed I can't say my words today. But, you know, I look <laughs> in and very hard to find anything before Cruel Hand with you. So what was going on for you in the early stages, band-wise? So I guess the only... Um, the Before Cruel Hand, I played guitar in a band, which I actually still am in, a band called Street Sweeper. It's like a Boston, Boston band. Um, we kind of... We don't do that much anymore, but I'm always writing stuff for that. And there, there could be there could come a day where we do another another record. Um, I sang in a band called Our Side, which was kind of like a New York hardcore styled, like borderline youth crew early on. But we tried to get like tougher and more like more New Yorky, I guess, with our like seven inch record. Um. I played guitar in a hardcore, like a straight up hardcore punk band, kind of locking out Righteous Jam's mental influence called Coke Fiend. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one. Um, I guess that goes, that's really, that would be the, the extent of my adult life without getting into high school, high school things. I was in a melodic hardcore band called This Alone, which is kind of like a half heart kind of style. Maybe not as like a... Not as melodic, not as epic sounding, but similar, similar vein. Go it alone kind of era, mid two thousands vibe. Now, without skipping past Cruel Hand, this obviously I need to ask a question here because everything you've mentioned has the hardcore tag on it, mm-hmm. and your other band, despite what someone said from Needle Drop, which I love <laughs> that you guys keep sharing, you shared for a couple of days on Twitter. Um, yeah. He said it was metalcore, uh, which for a guy that claims himself being a metal nerd, uh, you clearly don't know uh, metal at all. <laughs> um, you know, you've mentioned all these hardcore bands, but your other band is, it's metallic death metal, basically. Mm, yeah. um, yep. How do you go switching styles? Like, was it just a natural thing to start a death metal band or did it happen by accident you know i don't want to skip over cruel hand because we'll come back in a sec but basically what i'm saying is everything you've said is hardcore but your other Mm -hmm. band's death metal like how um well i actually did not start fuming mouth i I actually was a friend of friend of marks and a fan of the band for for quite a few years and always kind of in his ear like let me play let me play guitar in this band let me play second guitar and uh the day that the day that um i found out from Chris Linkovich that Cruel Hand wouldn't be touring as much anymore and he was joining Terror. Mark texted me and asked me if I wanted to play guitar in Fuming Mouth. Um, but um, I actually did play in a death metal band in high school as well with my buddy Dan. That was really more of like the technical death, kind of like Nile, uh, was it decapitated style? Um, so I got a lot of those metal tastes just from being friends with uh, my buddy Dan and just him showing me, you know, a lot of death metal bands at that age, 15, 16. Does it allow you, I mean, surely one thing by playing in two bands at different spectrums of genres must allow you to feel creatively more spread, like you're able to spread the butter on the toast more evenly kind of thing. You know, you're getting out there, you're getting all your juices flowing at all stages, and also um, you're not feeling pigeonholed all the time. It's fun to have the the two 
really such drastically different styles. Um, I think it can it can aid in the in the writing and everything else, and it can sometimes I feel like I can't write I can write things that don't that it, how would you say it I guess uh, sometimes I feel like everything I write it's it doesn't fit either mm-hmm. and I just can't make it fit either at in certain times but uh, yeah it's it's uh, I can always go from one pole to the other if I'm like getting kind of stuck or stale with something and kind of keep things fresh and it's fun it's, yeah I guess you're, that's you're also seeing two different sides of fan bases you know it it's got to be a bit wild you know hardcore fans have their pros and cons and death metal fans have got their pros and cons so it's also got to be interesting for you noticing fan bases on different sides of the spectrum too oh yeah definitely um it's funny because uh cruel hand did work tour in 2016 and we actually we got a lot of fans from doing that, and it's it's such a different type of fan than than like the local like hardcore show or even like or the or the the big metal show, obviously, you know. Um, and Fuming Mouth has like a we have a pretty big uh, coalition of different kinds of fans, you know. Or we do have like we do have a good base in the hardcore scene because we did. Me and Mark both did come out of the hardcore scene growing up. And uh, so the band got its start kind of playing in the hardcore scene. But at the same time, we do have the metalhead fans. And then, yeah, just the whole spectrum, you know, punk kids play like house shows, basement shows, like punk bands. And it's 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 cool that it can uh, translate to all the different corners of the of our world, I guess, you know. Another thing that's quite interesting is no matter what kind of metal you're into um, or hardcore that you're into, a lot of people say that uh, the fans of that genre can be a bit fickle. You know, you either do too much of the same or you change too much. And you're seeing that on every spectrum with Cruel Hand and Fuming Mouth. You know, you're seeing your fans or fans of the genre react to new material in a good way or a bad way. That's also got to be interesting because some people just think, uh, metal fans are this way or hardcore fans are this way. No, every fan of heavy music, not every fan, but all, there are a lot of fans that react very weirdly. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's funny because, uh, yeah, some people take it, some people take the, the changes in style super well. Some people really are into it and really follow. Some people it's just like, it's just not not their thing, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think with hardcore, it's... Um, it's an inter- it's an interesting thing because some bands change their style very drastically and are very successful with it. Some bands keep doing the same thing over and over and get you know it's just like people love it. Some people do the same thing over and over and they get hammered for it. You know, <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I think I'm not sure. <laughs> I think hardcore fans are you know without giving him too much props. I do think they're probably a bit more open to change. I think a lot of people I know who are stringent death metal fans, they're the ones usually that get really upset if they expect an album to be as it should be in their mind, and then they get upset if there's a slight curveball or evolution in the band sound. They are usually the ones, from my observation, that kick up a lot of stink. Yeah, absolutely. 
I've actually been kind of, uh, I've been impressed with the way that um, in hardcore, like the the average average hardcore kid, I think has gotten a lot more open minded over the last like five years, five six years. There's been like just all different kinds of bands and stuff that like you wouldn't think would would play like in the looking at it from when I was a kid and like what what I took to be like the the narrative I guess in hardcore you know hmm. now uh, um, what about um, you know being in two bands in different styles and someone says you're in a band Andrew. This is like picking your favorite kid, but which band do you automatically say is the band that you're from first? That's got to be a difficult one. That is a tough one. Um, uh, it's probably, it's, I guess it depends, like, who's asking and uh, or just the day or what's going on. If they're, because, uh, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. I don't know. I usually just say, oh, I play in a couple bands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If they're wearing a cannibal corpse shirt, you go, I'm in Fuming Mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. They're wearing a terror shirt, you go, oh, I'm in Cruel Hand. Um, just keep them, keep them guessing if they're wearing something neutral shirt-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're like a total normal person, I might say Cruel Hand because I can just be like, hey, uh, I don't know, it sounds like uh, Metallica, sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to sum up than explaining what death metal is or... <laughs> the, the other thing I want to talk about with the, the, the two bands and stuff, well, I already mentioned it a, a little bit, is um, Mr. Needledrop. What was your guy's reaction when he is reviewing your stuff, which is, you know, whether people know it or not, that gets quite a few eyes and ears to the band. But then yeah. he can't even figure out the fucking genre correctly. Yeah, that's it's interesting because my impression of him as a you know I I watch him I watch a lot of his reviews and I find him to be very uh, to have a very smart take on a lot of stuff. Um, I, I respect his opinion on a lot of stuff. Um, so I'm like, like, did you listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my reaction, man. Like I thought, you know. Have you even heard 30 seconds of one of these songs or anything this band has released? Because if you say this is metalcore, I'm I I lost. I'm the same as you. I do pay attention to what he says and you know, but I lost, you know, an ounce of my respect kind of dissipated a bit. Yeah, it's just it was not it was not on the mark. <laughs> oh. I actually had more beef over his review of the the Grand Descent LP. Oh, what did he say there? I remember it was in a my my buddy was harassing him on Twitter. He's like, like why aren't you re- why aren't you reviewing Fume Mouth? Review Fume Mouth. So he put it in one of the Why You Know review videos that he does. Mm-hmm. And he was it and it wasn't to be fair. It wasn't like he didn't pan it or anything. But he was he was just basically like, oh yeah, it's, if you've heard the first couple songs, you've heard all the songs. He's like, just like, hits you over the head over and over and over. I'm like, well, a lot of the stuff that's like really like a departure and experimental and different is in the back half of the LP. So mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think you listen to the full LP. I think you listen to like the first three songs and are just like, yep, all right. <laughs> yeah. Because the, uh, the back half of that record has a ton of different stuff. There's clean singing. There's like a totally clean, like melodic interlude. <laughs> 
Yeah, it uh, uh, unfortunately that sounds definitely like you said that he's not getting into it and you could see it with the kind of clip for Beyond the Tomb as well. Maybe he um yeah, he might be a busy guy, but you know, don't do a review if you don't actually listen to the whole fucking thing. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Um, let's change back to a bit of Cruel Hand um, because that's how I first uh, know of you and discovered you. So you mentioned earlier a couple of bands going on. They all had the hardcore word in there with the tags. So you joined around 215, 216. How did you initially link up with Cruel Hand? So my band Street Sweeper did a like a regional New England tour with them and they needed a guitar player for a tour they were doing in a few months which was ended up being my first tour with them with Real Friends and Neck Deep and Have Mercy. So it was like a pop punk kind of tour. So I was like hell yeah. And then after that I just kind of hopped in the van. And that was it. There was never even like a Never a full, like, do you want to be in the band? We're offering you this position. It was just, that was it. Just in the band. <laughs> so you just kind of came in to do some things and you haven't left. Yeah. I mean, and I was always a fan of the band. So it was like, no doubt, you know, it's Chris, uh, he asked me, I went home and learned like 35 Cruel Hand songs in like maybe two days, possibly less. <laughs> just started p- piling them up, firing them off. Just so psyched about it, you know. And I'm still psyched about being in that band. I'm really proud of that band, you know. <laughs> it's one of those bands that I feel um, a lot of people, if you're into hardcore, you love and you know. But I feel like outside of hardcore, maybe not enough people know about. So did you internally feel any pressure or expectation coming into a band that I would say is in the top tier of the current hardcore bands floating around? Uh, definitely. Um, especially like growing up and listening to those records and loving those records and being like, oh man, like now, now I'm in this and fucking I gotta live up to, you know, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, a, I'm in it, but I'm also a fan and I'm like, like fuck, like there's gotta be good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, the touring aspect of Cruel Hand? I mean, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Chris is now, uh, the vocalist for everyone listening who doesn't know, he's now part of Terror as well. So, but before then, you know, Cruel Hand are a touring band and still are, but you know, there's things going on, obviously, COVID and all that shit. But did yeah. you find switching into also into a band that is a touring monster most of the time easy adjustment, or is that something that took a bit to get used to? I was just, I was so psyched. I was ready to rock. <laughs> I had never really been in, I had done such minimal touring. I mean, just like kind of like maybe a couple runs, maybe four or five days at the longest and, you know, loved it. It was always super fun. I mean, that kind of stuff. It's like you and your friends are just piling in. It's like not, you don't even have to really plan, but I was just super psyched and I loved it. Like from the jump, just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like this is what I'm doing, you know? (laughs) Now the... Your World Won't Listen came out not long after you kind of came in. And what was your transition and position in the writing process? Did you have a lot of input on that or was it still a phase where you were adjusting to being in the band? I was definitely still adjusting. Um, 
I did write though. I wrote like I wrote the title track, uh, at least a good good portion of it. I think the the last riff Seeger wrote. Mm. A lot of it was kind of supplementary. Chris wrote a, uh, the vast majority of the record, and it was kind of him going through things, and I'd be there with him in the studio, and we'd figure all the stuff out. But uh, it was definitely it was interesting because it's like. You're only in the band for like so long and then you're in the studio and it's like it's that's a lot. I think that's like a lot of the pressure where it's like it's like, oh, shit, like this is this is it. And like you don't want to you don't want to piss people off, you know, and you're trying to trying to find your voice within the band and find the voice of of the music within your songwriting, you know. So it's a it's it's different than starting your own band for sure. And how was the album kind of received internally? Do you think? You know, it got a good. It do you, do you think it got enough attention? Because for me, I think it's one of those releases that is really, really, really good. But I don't think enough people kind of got their eyes on it um, at the time because you know I've got mates who are Cruel Hand fans, and they didn't even know it came out. Yeah, I think I think part of that was the late the label that it came out on, which um, came out on Hopeless Records. Mm. This is actually a really cool company. Everyone there was really awesome. I just think that they didn't really know the world that we came from. And uh, they just didn't know how to place the record, how to advertise it. I mean, really, yeah, it, it definitely does fly under the radar. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's the departure of style. I'm not sure. I think, I think a lot of it is just the fact that it came out in a whole different lane and just kids didn't know about it unless they came to a show and saw it on our merch table. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it, I think it was important for the band to kind of experiment. You know, it shows the band's creative side isn't just limited to, you know, I'm not insulting it, but the stock standard hardcore style. Yeah, absolutely. I always really enjoyed the, I mean, at first one of the things that really, got me in and locked me in as a cruel hand fan was lock and key where it was experimenting Mm. with metal and with thrash with like the james hetfield style singing i'm like whoa this is like this isn't just a hardcore band like there's there's outside things that they're working into this that are making this like not just the not just another like paint by the numbers like like vfw band which like you know i love hardcore i love paint by numbers hardcore you know but Mm. It's like, damn, this band's different, you know? Like, like there's more going on here. Did, um, you know, after that came out, you know, you guys did Warped and stuff, but then wasn't too long, maybe a year, maybe two years, could have been less, Chris came in and joined Terror. So, I mean, th- did that slow the momentum slightly down for Cruel Hand? Because kind of since then... Um, not much has happened. I know there's been tours here and there when you can. Um, you know, there's a new EP on the horizon, which we'll talk about in a sec. But did that kind of slow things down or it hasn't slowed things down? Chris is just now splitting his time two ways instead of one way. Oh, uh, yeah. it. I mean, both of us doing the other bands has definitely slowed things down um, where it's kind of like the other bands are just more full time so that kind of comes first um but uh i had such a brain fart i'm sorry (laughs) Um, (laughs) basically what i'm what i'm saying is like um do you think you know the band seemed like it was going at 11 out of 10 before he mm -hmm. joined terror 
Um, do you think it was just natural for it to slow down a bit or do you really just think it, it was because some of you were in other bands that it was going to slow down a bit? Is there still the drive for, for Cruel Hand? Yeah, I think um, I think that we in, in a lot in the years that we were like touring really heavily when I was when I was in the band, we put a lot of effort into a lot of different directions. Instead of focusing on kind of one one lane, we wanted to attack, I guess, like creatively, and like I guess at like you know how we wanted to conduct the band. So we would go. We did a lot of a lot of different tours with vastly different bands. A lot of tours, we did a couple of tours that like, it just wasn't the right fit. Like we went on tour with the Amity Affliction and, uh, what it, we did, we did a full U S tour and full European with them. Awesome guys, but yeah, nice guys. Cool. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry to anyone listening. That's a diehard fan. They, they are an Aussie band. I remember seeing them a long time ago, but, um, wow, that band. That's just a polite way of saying what I really want to say. Like, <laughs> fuck, how was that for you guys? Jesus. We were getting, like, I, I just remember looking at the front row of kids at one show in Germany, and they were just, like, all probably, like, 15, and they were just so upset that we were playing. <laughs> like, they were like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> and I just had this, I remember being like, what the fuck? Why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> I should have come later to the show. Yeah. <laughs> they were bummed. They were so bummed. <laughs> you know, like, so, like, some of it was that, where it's just, like, we're getting placed on these tours, like, and uh, there's just not, there wasn't, maybe not the potential with the the, the showgoer who was going to be there, you know? We weren't, I, th- I think that we should have been focusing more on, like, the, kind of like hard rock like mayhem fest like not fest kind of lane like you know because it's like we're a heavy band we're an aggressive band like like we we can't be playing with like like really pretty metalcore bands or like like doing this like pop punk stuff because it's like it's a it's like a pretty aggressive band you know we need someone who's accustomed to aggressive music to, to to hear us so do you think that naturally unfortunately takes a bit of wind out of the sails Oh, absolutely. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty discouraging because you're like, you, you figure out like a week into a tour that like the, the people coming to these shows are not, it's not clicking for them. And you're like, fuck, we got like three, four more weeks of this. <laughs> you, you basically should have changed your set into singing songs about drowning in an ocean and, um, you know, <laughs> being lost at sea with, I don't know, no anchor. I don't know, this kind of... See, <laughs> it's sorry, guys. At least anyone listening that's a fan, but fuck, man, I don't know what seven albums of being lost at sea. I can't, I can't come on, <laughs> enough. Um, so let's talk about this new EP. You know, it seems that you know, we're saying a bit of wind was uh dissipating from the sails, but it seems like there's something's going on. Maybe you've just had some extra time this year, so maybe that's why. But you know, dark side of the cage. It's been announced, single out, sounds fucking cruel hand, sounds banging, sounds sick. Um, how did it all come together? What's going on with the band now? Uh, so we had been we had been planning on just kind of keeping going and just doing 
what we can, when we can do it. You know, we we love playing music together. They're all we're, they're all my brothers. You know, um, and then we just we're kind of like just firing emails across like everyone demos songs because we're kind of spread out. Like I'm in uh, I'm south of Boston. Like our drummer lives in Western Massachusetts, and then the other guys are in Maine. So, so we kind of have to conf- have to do a lot of writing digitally, but we're kind of firing off demos and the songs just kind of came together. We originally we would we scheduled a couple sessions with uh, Will uh, Chill Will at um, Dead Air Studios out in Western Mass. So we'd literally just go in and kind of just set up set up like as if we were recording, but then kind of just hash out these songs and kind of write them as we go. That's where the Weeds uh, recording came from, those sessions. And what's, you know, let's let's imagine you can tour tomorrow, you know, and you've got both bands having freshly released new material. Um, what is the go for Cruel Hand going forward? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess whatever, come whatever may, we, we're always down to do stuff. Um, we don't really have anything in the pipeline right now. Maybe, maybe do a live stream or something. I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, let's, let's hope it, you know, it keeps active. Let's hope things when they can happen, it does happen because, you know, you just go off, um, not only your world won't listen, but the EP and all the previous catalog, there is stuff there that people still enjoy and need to hear, and I want to hear it, being biased. So hopefully just every now and then we get something. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. we got to come to Australia. I've, I've never yeah. been. They, they used to come, and that was before my time in the band. But I'm like, fuck, like, I want to go to Australia and I want to go to Japan. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've, previous to you being the band, I saw them live here. Um, Australia is a country that loves loves its hardcore, so... You know, mm-hmm. maybe what we one day hopefully will get is a way of getting Cruel Hand down here would be getting Terra down here again, which Terra are always down here. So let's get a Terra Cruel Hand double bill. That fucking works. Yeah, that would be sick. We had ideas of a, of a Cruel Hand Terror weekend going out to LDB, but it never materialized, which would have been cool. I'm obviously a big Terror fan, so would have been sick to see them a couple nights in a row. Yeah, I'm a little bit diehard. I've got uh, five tattoos, uh, terror inspired. So, so a little bit, little bit of a fan. Not really, maybe oh, yeah. a little. Um, let's talk a little bit about Fuming Mouth. Obviously, we've already spoken mm-hmm. about it before. Um, you know, it's as I said. You know, people like labels, so I think a, an easy label to say is it's kind of a metallic hardcore edge death metal band. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like for you? with that band with you know creatively adding an influence in there that normally you know wouldn't expect in death metal um that's a good question i kind of i come from like the the songwriting like the 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 aesthetic that i really have been inspired by is kind of like a lot of the 90s like big stage metal bands Mm-hmm. And like all that that was going on, like I'm a huge Metallica fan, huge fan of the Black Album. Um, I think there's like a lot to be said for for what Metallica did at that point in their career, where they kind of 
simplified things, made th- made certain things hit way harder and just like just made everything fucking massive and just mm. straight for the throat in a lot of ways, not all the ways, you know. <laughs> but um that's kind of that's always been kind of like my what inspired me with uh with songwriting um as far as like in the past couple of years, not always, but that's been kind of the muse, I guess. And uh, I guess that's the kind of the vibe that I try and bring to stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think it's interesting because when you guys, Fuming Mouth talking about, when you guys started to imprint yourself on the scene with, you know, The Great Descent, not a lot of bands were doing the style of death metal that you were doing. But now you look in and there is a few bands popping up around here and there that are doing it. It feels like it was a natural evolution that was to take place. And do you feel like Fuming Mouth, you know, you've got the attention because you were one of the bands that kind of innovated it in a way? Um, I mean, I, f- I feel like we did come down. There's a, definitely a path that was blazed before us as well. Um, so we were definitely uh, inspired in a big way by Black Breath, mm. which was like some years prior. Uh, fucking amazing band. They did that. Like Nails did it too. That was a big inspiration. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of like I think at the, you know, following in the tradition of, of bands like that and bands like Mammoth Grinder and Trap Them, you know, and just trying to take that take what they did and the influences that they they had and take it in a different direction than what they did, you know, in, in our own direction or with our own influences. But, uh, yeah, I feel like we're kind of like kind of stepped into the lineage of, of bands of, of that style and of that like influence, you know, the HM2, like Swedish death and like not, not necessarily crust or like DB, but kind of also that, you know, and punk. I feel like the Grand Descent got a lot of um, not only, not just fan attention but critic attention. You know, I remember seeing it first pop up because a lot of you know zines and you know magazines and all of this were raving about this album. Did it really kind of give the band a really good platform to go forward? It was it was such a such a relief because we really. We, we were touring very hard for a couple of years with really no physical music out. Mm-hmm. We had like a like a two song seven inch and uh, I mean those it wasn't even songs that we played. So we're, we did multiple multiple US tours and just playing these we were playing Grand Descent songs. And I think when the record came out, I think people people had seen us like two, three times over the last year. They're like, oh, oh, I know this song. I heard this song, and uh, yeah, it was it definitely was definitely was a, a relief, and it was wind into our sails for sure. Because we were for a long time, it's like you know, if you'll see a band, you'll go to a show and you'll see a band that you don't know, and you'll be like, wow, that's really good, and then you go online and it's like there's there's stuff like there's there's stuff like an album to save to your Spotify, and there's you know. But none of this, none of the stuff was there. So it's also nuts because it it definitely gave you a platform because you know you've recently released Beyond the Tomb, and you are on 
one of the named labels that any metalhead can think about. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's epic, man. It's so good to see him, you know. How did that link up with Nuclear Blast happen? I'm still honestly in disbelief about it. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> so we, I guess the the initial point that um, we got we got linked up with a lawyer through uh, Ian McFarland from Blood for Blood. We we'd been we've been talking to him about doing a music video, and he had he he knew uh he knew this woman Patty, and uh, he linked us up with her. And she was help at the time we were fielding different um, different offers and reaching out to labels and just kind of like kind of trying to figure the stuff out on our own. And we ended up linking up with Patty, who was helping us with another another deal that we, we were like checking out. Um, and so she would, she had been friends with Monty for years. And Mark Mark was like, I want to talk to Nuclear Blast. So she facilitated the, the conversation. Mark and Monty got it going. And it was kind of a long path, just hashing out like all the contract details, but pretty you, crazy, pretty exciting. <laughs> dude, it's really exciting. You're in the big leagues. You're in the fucking big <laughs> leagues. Look at the label you're on. I mean, fuck. It's like, yeah, buddy. It's crazy. It was hard to keep my mouth shut before everything was all <laughs> buttoned up. <laughs> I think that's great, man. And that just shows the future is bright, man. Um, it already was bright even if you didn't link up a nuclear blast, but they're a kind of label that they know what's good. They don't, you know, just sign anything for the sake of signing anything, you know, which we know some labels did in the early 2000s. I'm looking at you, Roadrunner. Um, <laughs> they have Nickelback. Um, you know, we, yeah. we're we talking about a band, a label that can just help this band get bigger and better, and it's got to be exciting going into next year with, you know, if touring happens, the endless possibilities that are in front of you guys. I know. I'm I'm really excited. It's hard to think about because it's like it seems so it seems like such a distant um, reality, you know. <laughs> it's got to be. It's a weird feeling where all this has happened basically in like a like a a vacuum of sorts, mm. I guess. Mm. You know, where there's I've there's so many people who have, I'm so used to seeing at shows. I haven't seen them in so long, and I haven't been in the areas of the city that. We hang out at, at, at it like when there's shows and it's like haven't played any shows obviously since the announcement. It's like, geez. So it's interesting that this is happening in such like a vacuum of society. But now, I mean, you one of the last questions, or I think it is the last question I got is, and it kind of links into what's going on at the moment. You know, as you said, two releases, one for either band coming out. You can't get out into and two of them, obviously. But you know, how do you keep yourself motivated to write music and do things? Because that's probably got to be really hard. That you know, one of the favorite things you love is to get out on the road and grind, and you can't do that. So, how do you stay motivated, and how do you keep pushing forward? Um, a lot of it is the just trying to keep the perpetual motion and the momentum. Um, but it, it does it. It kind of does ebb and flow or i'll go into there's like a period over the summer where it's just like not motivated at all <laughs> and just trying to force myself to tr force myself to be creative wasn't working just getting mad at myself you know and just making it worse um 
So sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But I mean, even just like, I mean, I'll just kind of drive around and listen to music and try and get inspired or, or just leave it alone for a while too. Sometimes that that's what I need to do, you know, but I love it, man. Sometimes, sometimes it's easy to stay, stay motivated because things are happening and it's exciting, you know, and this time it's have to be more of a self-starter, but getting the hang of it, even just like little things that you can do to keep doing it. I've been just trying to get like a, a different effects pedal a week mm. and just play guitar with it and just keep it. Even if I'm not making anything like I'm going to keep just to be making things, you know, keep it rolling. Well, let's keep, let, let's make sure both keep rolling, man. 2021, you know, it's just around the corner. Um, you know, don't slow down. Keep it going. Yep. Um, Only up from here. <laughs> exactly, man. Everything's everything's saucy. Uh, like it. Yeah. Um, now, dude, we do something at the end here for a little bit of fun. We're going to end on a, you know, a bit of a silly note. And it's called Pick Your Poison. What I do is it's kind of like a quick fire round you get two options you got to pick your favorite of the two now some are easy some are hard but you also can justify your answer in case you think anyone listening is going to give you a hard time over the fact you picked one over the other but you also don't have to justify your answer you can Mm -hmm. be really thug with it and just drop your answer and be like next yeah it's up to you (laughs) um (laughs) would you go a pizza or a burger pizza Okay, chicken or beef? Chicken. Ribs or brisket? Ooh, brisket. Soft taco or hard taco? Both. Ooh, smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Neither, because I'm allergic to peanuts. Ooh, okay, so what? if you're going to have a piece of toast, what are you going to spread on the toast? Jam? Uh, usually butter. Hey, nice. I'm not well, a breakfast guy. I eat breakfast, but... Not in the morning. Oh, It'll so you, be like dinner thing or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know that. Like having a bowl of cereal at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, or bacon breakfast. Sometimes that's fun. Yes, I respect that. I love that because I do the same. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Uh, cook at home or dine out at a restaurant? Oh, man. I miss dining out. Sometimes I love cooking at home. That's a tough one. Uh Right now, it's cook at home, you know? Mm. <laughs> Can't argue with that, I guess. Now, the next one, I know, I think over there, you can't go to the cinema. But, you know, let's say you can, and a new movie comes out. Are you going to go to the cinema to watch it, or are you going to wait to watch it on the couch? It depends. Um, I'm not even much of a movie guy, really. Mm. Um, so usually it is the couch. Certain things could draw me to the theater, but historically, this is like a once-a-year event. So, I would say the couch. Spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Ooh, the snow. Ooh. Used to love snowboarding until I was an adult and couldn't afford it so much anymore. <laughs> okay, what about skateboarding or snowboarding? <sighs> skateboarding. Nice. Uh, cat or dog? Oh, it's, it's a tough one, but I got to go with dog. <laughs> nice. Um, now I know you're not a movie guy, so we'll just ha- we have a couple of movie ones. Um, yeah. Terminator or Predator? Mm, Predator. Star Wars or Star Trek? 
uh, Star Wars, but partially because I have not seen Star Trek. So, God. sorry if anyone listening, but I don't think you're missing out on much. Um, <laughs> Rambo or Rocky? Uh, Rambo. South Park or Simpsons? South Park. Okay, so music ones: Slayer or Pantera? Oh man, Slayer. That's okay. a close one. Uh, Terra or Madball? Oh man. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I'll, I'm gonna give it to Terra. Okay. Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Black Dahlia. Anthrax or Testament? Anthrax. That can be a controversial one. I've actually had some pretty heated arguments about that. Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some of my friends don't think Anthrax belongs in the Big Four, which I can can see wanting Testament in the Big Four. I could see Anthrax being different. I'm just, you know, no explanation. I just like Anthrax, so I'm like, they're in the Big Four. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Crowbar or I Hate God? Oh, tough one. Crowbar by a nose. Ooh, okay. Sick of it all or H2O? Sick of it all. Okay, now last couple. You're playing a Mm. show. Do you want stage dives happening around you or mic grabs happening? Both. Oh, nice. Okay. You're going to gonna go to a show. Are you going to watch it from the pit or are you going to watch it from the sound booth? Um, the bar. Nice. Now, <laughs> next one, you need one to go with the other, but let's imagine that they can stand on their own and you don't need the other to help out. Would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life? That is a really tough one. <laughs> Oh, God. Maybe. Damn. I would say record music for the rest of my life. Okay. But that's a... I can't even... (laughs) I'm already second-guessing that answer. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on... I mean, the way that we do touring, it's like, I don't know if I could sleep on tiles for the rest of my life i'm gonna have to get it up to like the the love seat or the maybe even a hotel bed but (laughs) (laughs) now the last one is the only triple one and Mm -hmm. i'm going to give you your all-time favorite album would you like it on cd vinyl or on your phone vinyl nice um dude thank you for your time thank you for your energy uh, really appreciate this as a fan, but also for the show. A uh, lot of love, a lot of respect, a lot of appreciation. Um, fucking great chat, man. Fucking epic. Lots of fun, really relaxed. Loved it. Hell yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Um, you have a great rest of your day, um, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, have a good one, man. Uh, thanks, brother.
Where are you?
So that was my chat with Andrew of Cruel Hand and Fuming Mouth. At the end there, you heard the track by Cruel Hand was the title track of the upcoming EP titled Dark Side of the Cage. The second track was also by Cruel Hand. That one is titled Your World Won't Listen, which is the title track of the album of the same name. You then heard Fuming Mouth's track Master of Extremity, which is from their most recent EP Beyond the Tomb. And the last track you heard was The Spirit's Chain, which is from their debut album, The Grand Descent. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music or you enjoyed the conversation, now's your chance. Get online, download, indulge yourself in some outstanding styles of heavy music. If you're into physicals, get online, get a CD, get a fucking vinyl. If you're into merch, Why don't you get yourself a hoodie, a shirt, or some more shorts? Every little bit helps, so make sure you support Andrew and both his bands. I need to take this moment to thank Andrew again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. I'll stay in touch. We'll definitely do a part two down the track. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 144. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners, so... If you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.